This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, the business at hand is talking about a relatively small business, but almost equally importantly, talking about the transition from the large corporate environment and what it takes to make that transition. In this case, we're talking about a business which is specializing in the the niche market of wholesale and retail sushi sales and, and catering, but also about my guest's transition from the corporate banking world to the entrepreneurial environment. And so I'm very pleased to have as my guest, John Stoy, the owner and founder of Rolled Right Sushi. Welcome to the program, John. Well, thank you very much, Ron. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk with you this morning. Well, John, let's start with the obligatory uh, overview of what Rolled Right products are and the services that you offer, and then we'll start drilling down uh, into your product and service offering, and we'll talk about that transition I alluded to. Tell us a little bit about uh, what a person can expect if they, for example, run a restaurant and are thinking about adding sushi to the menu. Well, great. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so Rolled Right Sushi and more, uh, what we focus on is producing uh, on a wholesale basis uh, fresh sushi and other Asian foods, uh, but mainly focusing on the sushi. So what we can offer people is the opportunity to know that they can get, again, freshly made, high-quality sushi, both packaged, uh, prepackaged in individual bento boxes or uh, in bulk for caterers, parties, or, or action stations within restaurants. Now, I think a lot of people are aware that uh, freshness is the key to uh, to quality um, in food service in general, but particularly when it comes to um, sushi, I think freshness freshness makes all the difference in the in the world. Um, so um, let's talk a, a little bit about um, how it is that and and you know we don't want to turn this into an infomercial. Let's let's talk about you know some of the the basic elements for how you. Uh, ensure that uh, fish coming from various parts of the world uh, arrive, in this case, uh, in Atlanta, in the metro Atlanta area, uh, and and stay fresh throughout uh, the full s- supply chain spectrum? Yeah, well, and that's a great question, especially when people are thinking about sushi, and they're always rightly concerned uh, about the freshness, freshness of the fish uh, when you're thinking about raw. Um, of course, we offer cooked and vegetable uh, sushi as well, but when you're thinking of the fish, you want to think of it um, – as something that's very, very safe to eat. Uh, and so one of the things, again, about uh, about our industry and about our business uh, is that um, we have to comply with uh, a rigorous set of uh, rules and regulations surrounding what types of ingredients we can place within our ready-to-eat food. Uh, and that includes us being able to uh, confirm through our, our supply chain, where does the fish come from, uh, what's the level of sustainability, uh, how has it been, again, protected and kept safe throughout its, uh, you know, production chain. And so we can only purchase from uh, HACCP certified suppliers, and that HACCP stands for Hazard Analysis and Critical Control Points. That's a big, big thing within the food service and food industry. Uh, you want to make sure that anybody you're dealing with is HACCP approved, um, 
I came out of the financial world. Uh, never thought I would be taking uh, food safety courses, but of course uh, I was taking a serve safe uh, food safety management course, uh, HACCP courses. These are all important things uh, so that we can assure our clients, uh, and especially when our clients are reselling our product, that they're selling a safe product, uh, not only tasty and, and quality from a perception standpoint, but also from a really a, a, an important food safety standpoint. Now, are the HACCP courses administered uh, directly by the uh, USDA, or how does someone go about taking a, a HACCP course? Yeah, there, are, there are various uh, entities that, that provide course training, um, but then uh, there are uh, you know special tests, tests that you must take in order to get your certifications, just like um, in my previous uh, life I took uh, Series 7 and Series 6. 63 financial services testing in order to be licensed, uh, you know, to, to sell uh, financial products. Securities Exchange Commission in that case. Correct. And then ultimately the U.S. Department of Agriculture in the case of HACCP? Um, they or have Food a, and Drug Administration? Yeah, well, they have a big uh, hand in, in, in that uh, certification process. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the, the range of, of items on, on the menu itself just to give people a feel for um, what what the product is and and I think a lot of people are familiar with uh, uh, you know crab rolls shrimp rolls uh, California rolls seem to have become uh, pretty popular uh, lobster rolls uh, avocado rolls um, you have a few things like the dragon roll which is your uh, broiled eel and avocado uh, that is draped atop a, a California roll. And uh, something like your calamari salad, uh, which is grilled uh, squid on a bed of seaweed, uh, along with uh, something that I would imagine is a is a crowd pleaser, the buffalo chicken rolls, which uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, poultry versus uh, fish uh, in a moment, uh, the production uh, of. Uh, but uh, how did you arrive at uh, your particular menu? Because I know that for a lot of uh, uh, wholesaling and retail uh, food service organizations, um, determining what the, the product offering is is kind of a cross between uh, an art and a science. Uh, you're, you're trying to uh, fulfill a certain consumer demand but also not stretch so far that you're stretching your production capabilities thin. How did you arrive at, at your particular uh, mix of products? It- that's really a great question, and it's uh, a continuing challenge for uh, for a business like ours. Um, the the way that we really came up with in the first place uh, is you know to look at what are not surprisingly the most popular uh, sushi rolls, uh, and then to group around them uh, items again such as a seaweed salad, calamari salad, uh, things that people might want as traditional sides uh, that would accompany sushi, uh, and then. In addition to that, what we wanted to do was broaden the menu so that we could uh, really appeal to the largest audience possible, uh, people that didn't necessarily uh, want or don't necessarily want to eat fish uh, or especially raw fish. You know, can we offer something to them? Uh, because one of our goals uh, is to be a product that draws more people into whatever business is offering uh, rolled right sushi. Um, so if, if someone chooses to put uh, rolled right in their cafe, uh, can they bring more feet 
into the cafe, you know, to buy uh, the an extra soda or a bag of chips or whatever. So uh, you don't want to just draw them in with fish. Uh, so what we did was we added a buffalo chicken rolls. We'll be adding, in fact, over the co- over the course of the summer, we'll be adding a. Here in the South, we'll feel it'll be very popular pulled pork uh, roll as well as a Hawaiian roll, which is ham and pineapple. Uh, really, just again to broaden that appeal. Have you um, ever had uh, a special request uh, on the part of a, uh, a restaurant that said, "Hey, had you ever thought about making um, a specific kind of roll and fulfilled uh, that?" A custom request, or uh, has that just not come up? No, no, we sure have, and uh, and we have uh, highly skilled uh, chefs who are able to do things like that, um, and that really you know speaks to sort of the two halves, uh, two parts of our business. Uh, one is our. Um, Prepackaged again, ready to eat uh, bento boxes that we'll deliver, and those uh, have to. We have to operate under a slightly different set of uh, of rules, um, both in it, internally and externally. In that, because they're packaged food, um, they have to be labeled quite specifically according to FDA regulations. And so, we couldn't just immediately uh, come up with a custom roll uh, and slap a uh, written uh, label on it and, and just hope that. For the best. Uh, so adding menu items like that uh, takes quite a bit of planning um, because we have to ensure, again, uh, that ingredients are all, one, correct, uh, two, consistent, uh, so that the consumer knows what they're eating. Um, but on the other side of it, uh, for our catering-ish side of the business, uh, when we are uh, providing platters or custom rolls, we can do uh, almost anything. So um, if I were a restaurateur and I said, uh, John, could you uh, make a um, a California Carolina roll, uh, which would have uh, avocado, maybe even um, um, uh, shrimp and uh, pulled pork, for example, with a little bit of North Carolina um, mustard-based um, spiciness to it. Um, that's something you guys would experiment with to uh, to try to accommodate, and then you'd have to. Um, uh, essentially uh, get it approved? Um, if we were to add it to, to our full-time, again, ready-to-eat menu, we, we would. We would have to uh, – I'd have to create the, the label, and I'd have to uh, make sure, again, that, that the ingredients list conform to FDA regulations, um, which is, you know, in some ways uh, it's uh, – a a bit of a challenge, but in other ways, it really forces you to always uh, do the right thing to make sure you're buying the, the right ingredients, to make sure you're buying the best ingredients uh, for, for your customers. Let's talk for a moment about um, another area that's related but is not uh, currently a, uh, an offering, and I'm certain you, you've thought of it because, for example, you have tempura, um, n- not necessarily all places which offer uh, um, sushi offer tempura-style uh, products. But there's this whole area of uh, teriyaki. Um, is that something that you thought you might add uh, in the form of something as simple like teriyaki chicken uh, on skewers? Yeah, well, we, we offer, uh, we have done uh, teriyaki chicken rolls as well. Uh, you know, that's another thing. As long as we can um, provide a high-quality and consistent uh, product, you know, we can make it for our clients. What about this whole uh, business of uh, cold product 
versus hot product. You know, a, a lot of businesses are much more concerned with maintaining um, uh, uh, warmth and heat. Uh, you have to worry about the full spectrum of maintaining cool and cold products to warm and hot products. We sure do. We sure do. Uh, you know, really, temperature uh, control and what they call it in the in the food service industry is a time and temperature abuse potentially of the food. Um, that's one of our biggest challenges, and we focus uh, really a, have a laser-like focus on on temperature control because of whether it's the cooking of the rice and then bringing it down to a regular regulated temperature. Um, that's something that we have to do. Uh, we have to make sure that all of our products are delivered uh, less than 40 degrees in the state of Georgia. Uh, and, of course, since we're not a frozen product, we're a fresh product, it has to be between 32 and 40 degrees. So uh, we have a really tight window that we have to work within, uh, and that takes a lot of uh, procedure and process control that's probably one of the most challenging parts of the, of the business. Are there uh, thermometers and thermostats just throughout the process? Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, we, we have uh, all of our refrigeration units um, are have multiple uh, thermometers in them. We have uh, an electronic uh, monitoring system. Uh, we have then uh, double and triple backups uh, with uh, manual thermometers that are checked manually every day in, in addition to the electronic uh, management. So this is something that, again, we have to focus on very, very sharply. Well, we're going to be taking a break here uh, in just a bit, but when we come back, I, I want to drill down a little bit further and talk about this whole uh, comparison between uh, the production of uh, fish products versus poultry products and some of the, the safety uh, associated with um, fish versus poultry. We're here with John Stoy of Rolled Right Sushi, and we'll be back with John right after this break. Spring is in the air, literally. So follow Sniffles to Atlanta Center for Breathing Easy. Weeds, spores, grass, pollen. Airborne allergen levels are through the roof, putting your allergies into overdrive. It's time to followsniffles.com. Follow me and breathe easy. End your annual ritual of taking medication to alleviate facial pressure, facial pain, congestion, and headaches by treating the problem, not the symptom. Balloon sinuplasty just could be the cure you're looking for. This proven in-office procedure can have you breathing easy. Back to work the next day. Followsniffles.com. Follow me and breathe easy. Your severe sinus and nasal symptoms gone once and for all. Get lasting relief, a quick recovery, and start breathing easy again. Call us at 404-591-9100. That's 404-591-9100. Follow me and breathe easy. Followsniffles.com. This is Cheryl Linker, host of the Master Gardener Hour on America's Web Radio, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Join us as we keep things fun and interesting as we educate you in the world of master gardening. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. 
Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with John Stoy of Rolled Right Sushi, and we've been talking about the product uh, from Rolled Right uh, as as well as the production uh, behind that range of products. And one of the things that I became aware of, John, when we talked off the air uh, is about um, the range of safety measures associated um, way beyond temperature. We, you know, we touched on um, maintaining temperature either at the cool and cold end of the spectrum or the warm and hot end of the spectrum. But um, just the procedures within your production facility to avoid cross-contamination. And uh, a lot of people um, might think about um, uh, poultry versus fish, but also vegetables versus uh, fish. Tell us a little bit about some of the measures uh, in your production faci- facility to avoid any kind of contamination. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Ron. It's an interesting uh, topic, certainly, because of you know you, you've got the food safety side of it, but then you also have the side of it where um, vegetarians uh, might not even want to eat something that was touched by uh, a protein type of thing. So you know, soup to nuts, uh, to borrow a phrase, uh, f- another food-related phrase, we have to be concerned with cross-contamination, and that goes from how we store our ingredients. Uh, so our storage bins and shelves are clearly labeled. Um, do is there are there allergen-related uh, issues uh, in this area? Uh, vegetables here, protein-related, and 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 any sort of milk-related products there, uh, and we're very very careful uh, not to have any of this cross contamination going on. We were lucky uh, when we started our facility, when we when we opened it up here in uh, in Georgia, that we had sort of a blank slate, uh, and we worked early on with the Georgia Department of Agriculture to help us to design a facility that that would easily comply with all the safeguards necessary. So, for instance, uh, what we call our production line, um, we have two lines. One is going to be for protein. One is going to be for vegetable. Um, there must be uh, different cutting boards for raw versus cooked versus veggie, uh, utensils, etc., etc. You just don't want any opportunity for, as you say, that cross-contamination to occur. Yeah, it sounded to me when, when you and I had a discussion uh, prior to the program, uh, I had this vision, uh, and I haven't visited your production facility, uh, but it sounded um, like it was the food production equivalent of a white room. Um, you know, we we take a lot of pride uh, in 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 what we do and where we do it. Uh, our general manager he likes to, to say it's like an operating room. Um, but you you walk in uh, in the morning and there's not flip on the lights and there's there's nothing there. Um, eight to ten hours later, you turn off the lights and there's nothing there again. It doesn't smell like fish. You don't know what was made in that uh, commissary. Uh, and we're very happy with 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 that. Um, w- one of the um, organizations that um, encourages uh, Georgia companies, Georgia food service companies, to to buy locally is a is a program called Georgia uh, Grown. Tell us a little bit about uh, Georgia Grown. 
Well, Georgia Grown is a is a great um, program. Uh, it tries to uh, bring attention to food uh, producers, farmers, etc., um, who are working in the state of Georgia to provide uh, products. One either just either to produce products like ourselves, uh, to grow products, to use. Uh, local products as much as possible, and, and we're really thrilled to be associated with them. Well, what about the um, the supply of, of seafood? Um, I know there are mega seafood uh, wholesalers that supply um, restaurants uh, across the country, and for that matter, uh, around the world. Um, do you deal with a variety of uh, um Seafood wholesalers, um, some of whom specialize in certain um, sushi products? Yeah, we sure do. We sure do. And we've developed relationships uh, with some of the larger and some smaller uh, providers. Uh, And really, it's all about, again, knowing um, where your product is coming from, um, being able to source it consistently, because, uh, as I mentioned before, especially with our labeling uh, restrictions, we have to make sure we get the exact same product every week or every day or however often we're ordering it. So we can't, for instance, um, see a one-time special uh, of, of, of something and buy it and then you know decide to put it out uh, for just that weekend's or that week's production. We have to be very cognizant uh, of, uh, again, that consistency of quality. If you were going to offer like a Dungeness crab roll, you better have a constant supply of Dungeness crab. Is that that's, it? That's exactly right. Uh, and we have to be very careful, uh, especially you know when we do take um, take uh, use products in our ingredients, um, such as you know we make a lot of our own sauces. But some there's a few sauces that we'll use, like uh, for instance uh, sriracha sauce, in order to make your spicy tuna mix. Uh, well, we have to make sure that that's the same sriracha sauce every time that because those ingredients are also going to be on our label. And sometimes, you know, if you're a supplier, uh, they think they're delivering you the same thing. Somebody reaches in the truck and gives you the wrong one. Um, We have a lot of safeguards in place where our receiving uh, clerk is essentially looking, is this exactly what we ordered? Um, If it's not, you know, it goes back and and we get the right product. You know, um, sustainability has become an important aspect of a lot of different businesses, not just the food service uh, industry, but particularly in the food service industry, um, it's an important dimension. And it's really very difficult and near to impossible to be 100% uh, sustainable. The best you can do is to try to be conscious and, and, and undertake some sustainability measures and try to deal with some vendors who uh, undertake um, sustainable practices. And, and, I, and I know that, that you do. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do in regard to, to trying to be as sustainable as you can be. Sure, sure. Well, we, we keep a close eye on uh, Seafood Watch, uh, which gives a good – sense as to um, what's sustainable, what is endangered, uh, what they recommend against purchasing. Um, You know, sometimes we can't do everything, as you say. We get a lot of, for instance, we get a lot of requests for eel. Um, And eel is on watch. Um, It's extremely popular in in Japan, and uh, it's been overfished. Uh, But, you know, we do offer it. Um, We encourage people to, uh, to say, order less of it. and we're looking at ways of, of substituting uh, ingredients. There's, for instance, uh, uh, a push to substitute catfish uh, for eel uh, in sushi rolls. And so that's something that we'll look at over the course of time. 
Now, um, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, the supply chain. Uh, you know, it, it would seem to me I, I have heard uh, about some uh, restaurants, and, and in many cases you pay for it dearly, that a uh, fish was caught somewhere in the Mediterranean, and uh, it ended up on um, it can end up on your plate in, in less than twenty four hours. Um, at one point in time, I was trying to do the math and, and thought, oh, that's got to be near to impossible. But I guess if you catch something early in the morning off the coast of uh, somewhere in, in in Greece, and you know you've you've got a, a system for bringing it in. Hauling it in, putting it on a plane, uh, on ice, flying it across uh, the Atlantic in uh, you know eight and a half or nine hours to uh, Atlanta, and it's delivered from the airport, uh, you know, uh, uh, either to a distribution facility or directly to a retailer. I, I suppose that's possible. You know that that you can have. Uh, are you dealing with uh, suppliers that uh, are able to move just virtually faster than ever? Oh, without a doubt, um, we would have the ability to do that, and our, and our suppliers can provide that kind of thing. But, uh, and this is actually a pretty big but for food producers, uh, of which we are classified as a food food production facility, even though we make a fresh uh, product every single day, um, we are, again, regulatory uh required by our, by our regulators to only use fish and proteins that come in our door frozen. So, and they have to be frozen at a certain temperature for a certain period of time. So that whole 24-hour concept that you're talking about um, isn't really applicable to us uh, because of we are worried about another aspect. We're worried about um, that fish especially being frozen for enough time at the correct temperature in order to kill the parasites that would otherwise be in in the fish. So it's really a food safety issue for us. By the way, um, John, I I just uh, remembered that you and I had a conversation, and I I do think that most people um, would tend to to think that uh, fish products are more subject to uh, contamination. But in reality, um, many vegetables and poultry products are more subject to contamination than even fish. Is that so? Well, um, it's certainly been the case recently that if uh, if you look um, just in in the media at where have people unfortunately been sickened, it's it's oftentimes happened from uh, unwashed uh, vegetables. Um, or now, obviously, there's a concern about making sure that your hamburgers are cooked uh, better than medium, and uh, and and that's something that uh, that, in a sense, we don't worry about as much with the raw fish. But again, we have to comply with a whole rigorous set of, of regulations that we that we do make sure uh, that we fulfill in order to to provide the safest product possible. Well, we're we're going to be taking a break here again, but when we come back, I I I, I want to launch into the uh, the whole. Um, subject of how it came uh, that you made a transition from the banking industry to the food service industry uh, and then specifically uh, to um, sushi. Uh, we're here with John Stoy of Rolled Right Sushi, and we've been talking about uh, the business, the products. Uh, we'll drill down a little further to talk about the business and, and how John made the transition from um, finance to sushi right after this break. 
This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. Hi, this is Kate Copsey, inviting you to listen year-round to America's Homegrown Veggie Show every Saturday at 10 a.m. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we've been talking with John Stoy, the founder of Road Right Sushi, um, about the business itself, um, the product uh, range, um, the production uh, dimension to the business, which is a little different than a lot of uh, food service um, operations. And before we get into um, the transition that you made from the financial industry uh, to the food service industry, John, which I alluded to before the break, I, I, I have a couple more questions I, I want to ask you about uh, um, your your staff. Um, do, do you have um, a chef or two on staff that helps you uh, create and produce these products? Oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're really lucky. Um, uh, I was lucky certainly uh, when I – started the process of, of planning for opening the uh, facility here in Georgia um, to get uh, a great general manager who has decades of, of food experience, uh, which I wasn't uh, bringing to the table several years ago. Um, and then he, in turn, uh, helped me uh, and and the company to locate um, sushi chefs locally uh, and the thing about the Atlanta market is uh, is is you know we don't have a real um, late night dining uh, 
world here in Atlanta. And so um, the chefs uh, who might work at other restaurants, uh, sushi restaurants across the metro area, um, they're finished uh, after the dinner seating. And they're looking oftentimes for a little more to do. Uh, and so since we do the bulk of our production in the wee hours of the morning, um, they'll finish up their production, head over to our facility, um, roll sushi for us, and then uh, go home, uh, sleep, uh, sleep for the, and then get ready for the lunch shift. Makes perfect sense, uh, perfect use of uh, their uh, availability and, and talents. Um, do you provide um, sushi for small events as well as large events? Do you cater to, to both sizes? Uh, or virtually any size group. We sure do. Uh, you know, our minimums are extremely small. You know, we do. We do. Indi- we've done individual parties. Um, provided sushi for them. We can provide platters. Um, we we provide uh, on-site chefs if need be. Um, the other side of it, however, is that uh, you know uh, we've been involved in. Uh, events that have been up to 3,000 people. Uh, it's just a, a matter of planning. John, let's talk about your role. Uh, how would you describe um, your role? I mean, I would imagine that you wear several different hats as the uh, CEO um, of the business. Tell us a little bit about your your personal role. Well, um <laughs> I uh, think myself as the you know they, as they would say in the old days the chief cook and bottle washer, um, and really um, while I do focus on uh, what you might think of as the business side of things, f- finances, uh, planning, um, strategy, that type of thing, um, I'll get out on the road and deliver sushi when when need be. Um, I. I, uh, I cook rice. Uh, I don't roll sushi. Uh, it's best left to the sushi chefs themselves, but, uh, but I'll cook the rice if I have to and, and, and mop the floors. Um, and, you know, th- that's an interesting question because I think, you know, when I did transition to um, owning my own business, that probably was the biggest surprise. You can talk to people about it, um, and, but until you experience the fact that um, the buck stops here, uh, the buck stops with you uh, when you're the owner. Um, it takes a while for that to sink in sometimes. It probably took a little while for, for, for it to sink in for me. Um, but, but you know, I enjoy it. And and the fact is you never know uh, when you get up in the morning what's going to happen. You drive in, you find out. You might be – you get a call uh, in your car uh, on the way to the to the office. I still call it the office, but uh, on the way to our facility um, – from someone that's telling me that my, our print, none of our printers are working for some reason, and I become suddenly the chief technology officer uh, trying to fix the printers. You know, that's um, a simple uh, and often overlooked dimension of any business is office technology, but a really critical one. Um, I certainly uh, can recall um, problems with um phone systems or printers or computers uh, through the years um, where I had to step in and, and be a, a bit of a uh, – and an inept uh, chief technology, technology officer at that, I, I have to admit. But, uh, it, it you know, it, it can cripple a business. I mean, in your case, you had mentioned that you have these very specific labels. Uh, and, and, and we should mention that there is a labeling – uh, requirement uh, that is perhaps a little more stringent uh, related to your products than most. So not having a printer that can produce those labels uh, becomes 
<laughs> a simple but critical dimension. Oh, it, it most assuredly is. Um, if we can't label our product, oh, we can't legally send it out the door. Uh, and so, yeah, when, when our printers go down uh, and I can't put the correct label on, on each product, it becomes an issue. Uh, and every moment, especially, you know, if it, if it occurs bef- before uh, your allotted delivery time, uh, every moment since we have to get it there, again, at the right temperature, uh, at the right time, um, becomes pretty critical. Um, here's a, uh, a very um, funky segue. Uh, speaking of roles and your role, um, how did you come up with uh, the name Rolled Right uh, Sushi? Well, you know, um, there's probably a reason why uh, people in other facets of business make their living coming up with uh, branding and, 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 and company names and things like that. Um, we struggled uh, quite a bit. I did along certainly brought my wife into the uh, into the fold in terms of trying to come up with the right name. Um, but uh, you know, our it really our team uh, came up came up with it because we thought, what do we do? Um, well, we roll sushi. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, we roll it right, and it sort of uh, came up like that. Um, and then I just uh, put the uh, spelling to it myself. Well, and that's because uh, uh, rolled uh, is spelled R O L D, and right instead of R I G H T is R I T E, um, which you know makes it a little more of a compact name. And you know, I must admit, it's a name that's grown on me, and um, does exemplify what it is that's uh, key to what you do. Because, for one thing, in the sushi industry, uh, in the business, um, sushi chefs uh, take what they do ever so seriously. Um, it is one of those products. And, and certainly, lots of food service has uh, gravitated toward um, uh, the art and the science of, of, of food preparation, you know, exacting kinds of recipes and preparation and beautiful-looking uh, 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 food plating. But sushi chefs have been doing this for hundreds, if not thousands of years, um, and um, it has to look really good. It has to be rolled right, um, both for taste and, and sort of for aesthetics. And uh, so it makes sense. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and frankly, you know, from a, from a management, personnel management standpoint, um, that has been at times a challenge because, again, because we uh, have to provide that consistent product um, if we have two, three, four different sushi chefs, each of which um, often have uh, obviously their own personality, but also an, their own ego that they like to put into their particular roles. Well, we can't have three or four different style rolled uh, crab and shrimp rolls. Uh, they have to look like they've come from the same person, essentially. And so, you know, we have to we have to definitely um, do a little bit of training in order to say, okay. I know that this is the way you've you've uh, rolled for the last sometimes you know uh, double digit years, um, but and that's great. But we need you to to roll this particular roll for us because that's what our client is expecting. 
Yeah, I mean, part of the um, the uh, aesthetic, if you will, uh, f- from sushi chefs is um, a uh, almost mechanical like precision. Uh, and, you know, not unlike um, the Japanese approach to lots of different uh, aspects of uh, culture and technology is uh, a precision uh, look and uh, and a uniformity uh, in the case of your product. Um, and, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding. Um, and by the way, listeners out there can go to www.rolledright.com and um, learn more about the company. Um, and see uh, images of of some of this uh, precision uh, uh, rolled uh, product. Back to your role, um, John. Are you the guy that uh, might even have to keep a, a third eye on the on the fish commodities marketplace? Um, I certainly do. Um, you know, and and I wish that. Um, I had the flexibility, you know, to make changes uh, on the fly sometimes if you need to. For instance, there can be fluctuations, obviously, as there are in many ingredients. You know, we're seeing, uh, we saw this, uh, uh, I know you asked about fish, but, you know, recently our biggest challenge has been avocados because of the drought in California, etc. Um Consistency of product uh, has gone down. Uh, size of avocados gone down. And the prices had gone up, uh, and a lot of sushi rolls include avocado. You know, your California roll is one of the most popular rolls, which is avocado is a key ingredient. Um, and then, uh, since the California roll is the base for other rolls like rainbow roll, dragon roll, etc., um, we really have to be uh, very, very aware of that. And uh, you know. Most of my products are – we have a suggested retail price, so we have cu- clients that have based their menus around the price that they're going to pay for our product. Um, we can't just uh, raise it. There is no such thing essentially uh, in our ready-to-eat product as uh, market price. Uh, and so if there are uh, uh, fluctuations that, that go against us uh, from a financial standpoint, sometimes we just have to deal with it. Well, John – let me ask you this one um, introductory question to the whole transition from the financial uh, industry to the food service industry, and uh, that question is, why the food industry? Well, I mean, I think there's two there's two reasons to that. One is a real practical reason, and that is that um, – and why you see a lot of people start restaurants, despite the the fact that they have a, a tough uh, road to hoe, uh, and 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 they're known as a, as a high failure rate industry. But there's also low barriers to entry um, in in that business. Um, but the other side of it is that there there's a love uh, of food that people feel, and um, you know, again, my my general manager uh, would tell me when I would not understand something about the food industry that he would try to tell me about it with his experience, he would say, you know, that, that one of his mentors said to him uh, that you are doing one of the most intimate things uh, in, in, that you can in business, which is that you are providing somebody with something that they're going to put into their body. Um, so you better love it so that they love it too. And, and I really do uh, have come to really love the, the industry. Kind of a critical dimension of both nutrition and, and, and passion. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to be taking another break. And, and when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit about your background, um, 
a lot of listeners find it fascinating how anyone got to where they are professionally. And we'll talk more about that transition, but we'll focus for a bit on, on your background, your undergraduate background, your, your business school background, and, and how that fit into the transition uh, from the banking industry to the food service industry. We're here with John Stoy, the founder and CEO of Rolled Right Sushi, and we'll be back with John right after this break. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, annual publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is Cheryl Linker, host of the Master Gardener Hour on America's Web Radio, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Join us as we keep things fun and interesting as we educate you in the world of master gardening. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with John Stoy, the CEO and founder of Rolled Right Sushi. We've been talking about the company, the business, the products, and uh, what goes into the operation. But now we're, we're focusing more on the transition that John made from the banking industry to the food service industry. And before the break, I, I asked John uh, why the food service industry. It seems that a lot of people uh, have contemplated uh, a move from the corporate environment, the safety in many cases of the corporate environment, which is no longer as safe as it used to be, but which can be, uh, in some cases, a, uh, a safer environment, or at least it gives people the illusion of being more comfortable and safe uh, because you have a, a cadre of support characters around you, above you, alongside of you, below you. Uh, you have, you know, a cast of, of, of hundreds or thousands in many cases, um, and there's a certain momentum. Your job is oftentimes a little more narrowly defined. That feels comfortable to some people. Um, you've, you've got maybe a regular paycheck. You might have the equivalent of a, uh, uh, a retirement package, a health care plan. 
and uh, possibly some other perks, but it's not always such a positive scenario. And, um, and so more and more people have contemplated leaving the corporate ranks, either out of necessity or out of desire to become a little more independent, to sort of become the captain of their own uh, destiny, if you will. I call it becoming the architect of your day. For what it's worth, you know, you're getting up and you're defining what you're doing in the course of that day, that week, that month, that year, and you are controlling your, your destiny for better or worse. You are, are in control. Um, so when you decided um, that you were going to leave the banking industry, John, and you can tell us a little bit about what you did in the banking industry, um, did you find it both scary and exhilarating? Um, definitely both of those things, Ron. Uh, uh, probably uh, probably scary more than exhilarating uh, at times. But, uh, uh, you know, I am by far not alone um, uh, to be a financial uh, executive um, professional who um, left the industry in the wake of uh, the financial crisis uh, of a few years ago. Um, I certainly know a number of, uh, of, of former colleagues who um, did similar things, uh, not necessarily starting their own business, but, you know, left the financial uh, business because, you know, that business has, has undergone quite a bit of change, uh, and not just because of, of, of the crisis. Um, but yeah, uh, I think what really resonates within my world, my family's world, um, is that attraction of being able to better uh, plan your own uh, day, your own year, uh, etc. Um, now, this isn't to say that at sometimes things get completely out of your control and you have absolutely no choice uh, going back to the whole uh, buck stops here concept of business ownership but at the same time you know you you want to make you have to be aware that there's a trade-off between that relative comfort of the corporate world that you alluded to um, and um, the flexibility of running your own show uh, and 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 you trade some things for that you might trade uh, some income for that uh, you might trade some comfort for that but it's but it's it's something that that we're comfortable doing now John you uh, were an undergraduate at Notre Dame where you had concentrations in English and uh, in business and then you were in the master's uh, a, a business administration at the University of North Carolina where you focused on on finance um those uh skill sets associated with those uh disciplines uh many people can see the um the very um natural transition to the finance industry how have you found that 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 the skill set and knowledge base from uh business and um maybe even english uh how did they transfer uh, how did your or, or does your MBA come into play in uh, r- running a small business? Well, that's a, I mean, that's a great question, especially since I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, you go to undergraduate, uh, get your college degree, and it doesn't necessarily point you in a particular direction. You know, there are probably a very uh, handful of, uh, of, of degrees that, that set you up for a particular job and I think of engineering or accounting or if you're a pre-med type of thing um, and and my business degree was was 
focused on uh, on computers, and that actually did lead me um, into the finance industry uh, because uh, you know obviously beginning in the in the 80s, but then when I got into it in the very early 90s, um, there were a, there was a, a really an explosion of the use of uh, High tech, if you want to call it, analysis for investments uh, and and trading, and so uh, that really uh, gave me a good uh, platform to jump jump into the industry. Um, and then as I transitioned into uh, a banking and investment role, um, my MBA helped, having given me a broader. Uh, a, Education, um, and then I really drew a lot on the English degree as well, and because of uh, you know you're required to put together presentations and communicate well with um, with your potential clients, you know, and and I think that's one of the things that's helped uh, me a lot uh, in Rollright, uh, which is you know I will be making sales calls since uh, I'm the chief salesman for the uh, for the business as well. Um, and when I work with uh, cafe managers, chef managers, uh, some of them are, are, are sole proprietors themselves, or sometimes I'm working with people within large food service organizations, um, they actually really appreciate the fact that I can speak to them um, from a business strategy standpoint, not just a food standpoint, um, because, you know, a lot of times they're worried about dealing with suppliers who are extremely good at making food, whatever food that is. Uh, and that's the thing I've learned is that is that the food industry, is it's, it's nice. It's really nice. And I used to think of this as when I would visit uh, Napa Valley in California and see the wine makers, and they all are very collegial and they work together. Well, it's, it's really similar in the food industry uh, as well. Uh, but as good as they are at making food and putting love into it like we like to do at Rolled Right, uh, they might not be as good at translating that into uh, a business practice. Well, there's no question uh, that uh, the the business uh, background uh, as an undergraduate and graduate student um, would would come into play. Um, but I think even the English and, of course, a guy who is a uh, a media guy uh, would be inclined to say this. But I do believe um, that um, articulate communication is very. Uh, underestimated in the success of a lot of businesses, but particularly when it comes to things like uh, putting together presentations and uh, marketing and advertising. And, you know, those are areas where if you have a background uh, in uh, language, uh, you're going to be a little more critical and be able to play uh, a more active role in what you put together um, that becomes the critical messages of your company, either in a sales uh, presentation context or, or in a marketing advertising context. Um, John, would you offer any advice to someone who is thinking about uh, starting a small business? Oh, sure. Um you know, there's no shortage of, uh, of advice books out there. Um, you can uh, go onto the internet uh, to your library and check that out. But what I would say is that is to really think one about what what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your time? Um, if you have a family, are they willing to put up with the uh, pressures, the additional pressures that are very different in owning your own business? Uh, because that's important. Um, and, you know, to be prepared, you have to be prepared. Um, 
mentally as well as financially um, for the, the stresses that go along with that because, you know, uh, as a business owner, you are the last one in line to get paid, and, and sometimes you're not going to. Um, so you, think about it. Be sure it's something that you want to do, and you better love it because you can't quit it. If you've made a, a, an investment in a new business um, and you're tired of it, um, you can't just uh, throw up your hands and go home. Any advice for a young person who's thinking about uh, a career uh, in in the food service industry? Should they be taking accounting courses sooner uh, and often? Uh, should they be taking uh, food uh, operations? Uh, should they look for a hospitality program? Yeah, I think uh, – I think that um, one of the things he asked me very briefly about my uh, MBA, and I think about the operations course, you used that uh, word. Um, operations and operational planning uh, and production is, you know, a key. You know, uh, l- chefs will learn it a lot of times uh, being a, by being a line cook. Well, if you're not a line cook and you didn't learn it by doing, it's good to do it by studying. Is there uh, good uh, last words uh, from John Stoy? John, I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the Business Hour. Oh, thank you very much, Ron. I really appreciate it. We've been listening to John Stoy, the founder of Rolled Right Sushi, learning about his business and learning about his transition from the banking industry to the food service industry and becoming an entrepreneur. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 a.m. on Fridays. We'll see you on the radio next week. Have a great weekend.